you have your Bibles today, let's go over to the book of Proverbs chapter 20 is where we're turning this morning. Proverbs chapter 20. A very interesting proverb that draws our attention immediately to the world of science. And when you stop to think about what the Lord is showing us through all that, you begin to realize that the Lord is showing us some rather amazing things. I do have a number of illustrations this morning, so I want to be sure those slides are working and just double check and be sure that those are on this morning because we'll, we'll get into a lot of science today. Look, if you will, at Proverbs chapter 20 and a single proverb. Look at verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. Let me read it once more. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. Now, just before we pray, this is part of the wisdom literature that we find in Scripture, and it was designed to provoke us to think. We refer to that as biblical meditation, to turn it over and over in our minds. Why would he connect these two? Why would he talk about the hearing ear and the seeing eye and and then make the connection that the Lord made both of them? There are a number of applications that we can make. And so I'm going to ask that even as I attempt to preach this message that you would be asking this very same question, Lord, what is it that you have for us in this one proverb today? What is it that we can learn and see and understand? Shall we pray together? Lord, we magnify you today as our creator and a wonderful creator you are, majestic in all your ways. And yet, Lord, this morning, even in our physical bodies and the fact that we are hearing right now, And that when we open our eyes, we will see, Lord, these are indeed marvels, yea, even miracles, that point us to the central message of this proverb, that the Lord has made these things. You have greatly blessed us with these abilities this morning, Lord. We're asking that you would teach us how to use them. Lord, would you give us the Holy Spirit this morning as we desire to learn more about you, as we see these wonders, to see our precious Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. What does that tell you about the Lord The fact that we have those kinds of capacities this morning and we are able to see and hear these things. That ear that you have attached to both sides of your head, as far as I know here, everyone has two ears. Those big fan-shaped areas that stick out from the side of your head, they are called auricles, A-U-R-I-C-L-E-S. Inside your ear are the tiniest of bones, and among them are what are called the stapes or the stirrups. They're the tiniest bones. They're referred to as ossicles, not icicles. You get the idea with icicles, but ossicles in the sense of bones that are extremely tiny. 
All of these things tell us a great deal about our Lord, and they show us something that we ought to pay attention to in this proverb this morning as we understand the process of hearing and understand the way the Lord made it. So here you have on the side of your head, you have this article that we refer to as the ear. And you know enough about it to know that there is a little tunnel that runs down through that's called the ear canal. What you may not know is that that ear canal is actually a signal processor. You say, I have no idea what that means. I had to go look it up to be sure I understood what it meant. What it means is this, that that ear canal you have can actually take sounds and it will amplify some frequencies and reduce other frequencies. In other words, it will change things slightly so that this sound spectrum, which is really the pressure waves that you are hearing all around you, they will actually be modified in such a way that you can hear them, that you can process them and actually think through them. And when you think about that bell that's on the side of your head there called the oracle, it reminds you a little bit of if you were to look at a tuba. Just out of curiosity, how many people here have ever played in the band? If you played in the band, would you please raise your hand? While you have your hands up, how many of you were in the marching band? Any marching band people a little higher here? Any any tuba players? I I thought I would look around and see. How about bass drum players? Any bass drum players here? When you've been in a marching band, it's a little bit different than the orchestra or the band that performs in an auditorium. You actually have to learn how to march together. Uh, If you're in a band like I was in a band, you have to learn how to do formations out on the field. I can still remember playing Moon Over Miami with my sousaphone marching all over the field. That big bell that you have on, say, the tuba or the euphonium, the way that works is that the musician places breath pressure, uses the pressure from his or her lungs to push through and then push through the valves, and sounds come out. Well, if you take that process and reverse it, then you basically have the idea about how human hearing works. Just like the oracle that's there on the side of your head, only in this case, it's designed to receive. It is designed to receive sound that goes down through. And that, that same air pressure, just as the musician was pushing with his or her lungs, that same air pressure is a pressure wave that is coming into your ear canal. There's that signal processing I was talking about, and ultimately hitting the drum. We call it the eardrum or the tympanic membrane. Now, this is kind of interesting because Joe and I probably are the only two people in here from the hand I saw a minute ago who've actually walked along and actually hit the drum. And you know in a marching band that if they give you drumsticks, they also give you these little stirrups that go around your hand because otherwise you don't want to lose it and have to run back and get it. When you see the way that the eardrum is put together, it is actually kind of fascinating. Now, think about it this way. When you hit that big bass drum, you know that it's the drumstick that is actually hitting the drum. But in the case of hearing, 
It's actually the drum that is hitting the drumstick. You say, what on earth are you talking about here? Well, let me put this picture up here on the screen, and I'll do a little close-up of it here in just a little bit until you can see it just a little bit closer. But you can see, as I mentioned here, the oracle on the screen going down through that ear canal that goes down through. The, the, the processing is taking on so that it gets certain frequencies are amplified and others are not. And then it hits that eardrum. Well, notice on the eardrum that what you have is you have this, it looks like a mallet sticking up from it. That bone is known as the malleus, M-A-L-L-E-U-S, or we would say malleus. If you were taking a hammer and you were, say, in a blacksmith shop, what would you expect that hammer to be striking? You would say the hammer strikes a what? It strikes an anvil. Well, it turns out that the Latin word for anvil is the way the next bone is named. It's called the incus, I-N-C-U-S. And then that is actually attached to what's called the stapes, which is the stirrups. Now, here's where it really gets interesting. Just in the very same way that Joe and I would march along in the marching band, and we were we had these stirrups around our hands, and we were hitting the drum. In this case, what's happening with hearing is it's actually the reverse, that those sound waves, the pressure waves coming down through your ear canal, hitting the drum, then hitting the malleus, the malleus goes on to hit the incus. The incus goes on to hit the stapes or stirrups, and that goes on to the cochlea. And I'll come back to that in just a few moments. For now, bear in mind something that is really amazing all about this. If you, if you thought about these bones as like a, a set of vibrating chains, little, little vibrating bones inside your head, you would basically have the idea of what is going on here. That ultimately that little membrane, the, the uh, tympanic membrane or the eardrum, by the way, it's about the size of a metal thumbtack, the head of a metal thumbtack. That's about the size of the eardrum you have today. That's the way that the Lord designed you to process this information. You say, now, what is the point of this scientific illustration this morning? Here it is. The hearing ear... And the seeing eye, the Lord made even both of them. He is the creator of these things. He is the one who made these things. As I say, these three bones, the malleus, the incus, and the stapes are called the ossicles. Tiniest bones, that's the stapes, the tiniest bones in the human body. In fact, if you took two pennies and put them together, the width across those two pennies, that's the size of of your little stapes bone, the stirrups bone, that go into the cochlea. When these pressure waves come in, they actually hit it in such a way that it just it, it gives you understanding. Now question, how did all of this happen? Your answer you know, especially from this proverb, is this is the way we, we were created. Why were we created this way? Why did the Lord make us in such a way that we could process information through our ears, that we could listen, that we could take information that is coming to us and be able to interpret it. It is all about the Lord's creative power. Now, you know that in creation, there are, there's more than just human ears that can hear, right? There are also animal ears that can hear. And here's what we learn about the animal kingdom. 
When he talks about the hearing ear and the seeing eye, we know that he refers not only to humans, but all animals. The Lord made those too. So for instance, when all of these animals are able to process this information, how is it actually helping? Now, the picture that you see here on the screen is the under a microscope. It is the an ear of a rodent. Ladies, I have no idea which rodent it is. Okay, so it's just a picture of a rodent. But the way this thing is designed so that these rows of hair cells that we're going to talk about here in just a few moments, those are the ones in green, they respond to these sound vibrations. And then the auditory nerves, that's what the stuff that you can see there in red, that's what transmits the information. We're going to come back to this a little bit later in the message. But these little hair-like figures, these cilia, some refer to them as cilia, they're actually cells that are made uh, that look like hairs. They tell us, the the, uh, scientists who are studying these, say they think they function like little batteries. And here's why they say that. Because in order to send information along a nerve, they have to produce some sort of a micro-voltage. It has to produce some sort of electrical impulse. The question would be, how is that even possible? How can that be done? For now, let's just adore and admire the fact that the Lord has made all these things. We know that humans can hear in the range of about 20 kilohertz. We also know that animals such as the elephant and some whales, they can hear infrasound. That is, sound far below the level that human beings can hear. This seems to be especially interesting uh, when there are in the earthquake regions. They watch the elephants to see how they're responding and see if they're responding differently. Why? Because they can hear sounds that human beings cannot hear, much lower. Whales the same way. Then you have humanity, and you know this about your cat or dog. They can hear ultrasonics. They can hear that which is above the range of human hearing. But even more than the dogs and cats, there's animals that you can see there on the screen that they can hear even higher ranges. You know that bats actually use ultrasonics. I remember reading years ago, right after the stealth aircraft came out and the sound-absorbing material, the radar-absorbing material on the plane, a technician walked in and he he thought, there's something really unusual in the wing of this plane. And here it was, a bat that had just pancaked right into the wing. Why? That bat was flying along, assuming that it could hear back from the signals it was sending out, the ultrasonic signals. It assumed it could hear everything, but it didn't know about these wings that absorbed the sound, and so it crashed itself right into the wing. They also say that dolphins can hear even higher ranges in the ultrasonic range. That's especially interesting to think about the way those sounds would be conveyed through water. But then, lo and behold, there is something that has twice the capacity of the bats and the dolphins, and that is the greater wax moth. It's an insect. You say, why is it important that they have an even higher range? Well, you know the bats that I told you about a few moments ago? When they are pursuing after these moths, and they are some of their favorite food, when they're going after them... It's important that that greater wax moth be able to really hear those very high-pitched tones. In fact, the greater wax moth can hear even higher signals than the bat is capable of putting out. And perhaps he can avoid being eaten by the moth. What is the point of all these things? Well, here it is. 
the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. Think about, if you will, just for a few moments then, the wonders of the creation. Just think about the way the Lord has made all these things. Now, I said a minute ago I would give you a close-up of the human ear, so let's go back to the human ear, and you can see it there on the screen. You see it's identified as the eardrum. If you look at the top, you'll see the malleus. If you go right in the middle in white, you can see the incus or the anvil, and then you see the stapes or the stirrups. Notice what the stapes are actually connected to. And if you just, if you just kind of took that purplish little blob there on the right, you say, what does, that, what does that look like to you? If you had to identify that as something, say, in the, in the insect kingdom, what do you think that looks like? And the answer that a lot of people will come up with is, well, I think it looks like a snail. And that's, where, that's exactly the way they refer to it. Said it, it actually looks like a snail. That little organ in your ear is called the cochlea, C-O-C-H-L-E-A. That cochlea has three fluid-filled channels that actually run through it. The reason it's important that it has three channels is that it has one channel that that allows the pressure to go right back to where it was after it processes sound. Now, that cochlea is full of what's called endolymph. If you were to scrape your hand and you know that if it, if it stopped bleeding and you just had kind of a, a raw area there, you know that there's a clear fluid that comes out. That's called lymph. It's part of the healing system that you have to protect you. Well, inside this little cochlea is what's known as endolymph. And this is where it really, really gets fascinating because just like I said a moment ago, that when the sound waves hit that eardrum, and then it strikes the drumstick or the malleus, and that it's, it has a little axle on it, a little hinge on it. That hits the incus, and then that goes on and goes through the stapes. Again, if you take the idea of a vibrating, a little vibrating chain of bones, you can get the idea. That actually places pressure on the cochlea. Now, go ahead and ask the question, how, how is my brain actually processing all these things? I mean, how is it even possible that this even works for me to be able to hear these things? Well, you have these little pressures that come on the cochlea, and then they are actually transmitted on by these little hair cells that I was talking about a few moments ago. I showed you a picture of it. Remember the green and red that was on the screen? Those hair cells are actually, they believe, little batteries. Now, this is where science really gets interesting. It could be that within a few days or a few weeks or a couple of years, they'll come back and say, nope, nope, that's not the way it works at all, and we'll go back, into the, back to the drawing board and see the way it works. But here's what they think right now. They think that those little hair cells are actually like batteries, and, and what they do is they are charged with elements that we find in the creation, sodium, potassium, are two of those, calcium would be another one, that what they're actually doing is they're actually exchanging ions across the membrane of that area in order to charge positively, charge negatively, in order to be able to send these little bits of voltage along the auditory nerve so that your brain can actually process these things. When you, when you think about the phrase, the hearing ear, did you have any idea that 
all that was bound up in the hearing ear. I mean, just to be able to hear, not, not merely an ear, but a hearing ear. This is part of the wonder of our creation. This is the way that the Lord made us. Again, it is a mechanical marvel. It's a hydraulic marvel. It's an electrical marvel. All of these things were designed by our creator. Why is this important for us today? Well, if you were sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with someone, you would, in this day and time, you would want to begin with the glory of God. You see, this is only one little part of what you could glorify the Lord for in this creation. As you know, if you were to get in and study things, whether they be leaves or seeds or music or even structural materials that are used for various kinds of building, you know that there is a wonder in all these things, a marvel, if you just slow down and begin to ask, why is it this way? In the class the other day, we were talking about uh, leading someone to the Lord. We began with the glory of God. And one of the men said, I, I just asked this question, what do you enjoy talking about? What, what is it that's one of your favorite God-honoring things to talk about that you just say, yeah, I mean, I could just kind of talk to anybody about this any time of the day or night. One of the guys said, hockey. All right, let's take hockey and ask, how could you go about introducing the gospel of Jesus Christ beginning with hockey. You say, I don't know, so many fights break out in professional hockey. I don't know if you could use that for the glory of God. I get it. I mean, I, I understand there are those who do that. But what is it that is made that is made as part of our creation? Why does hockey, you know, get exciting? And, and think about this question. Why don't they play hockey on carpet? You say, well, you know, there's... there's the hockey puck wouldn't go very far on carpet. Right, why not? Well, because of the friction. There's a friction coefficient. Okay, could we glorify the Lord for ice? Just just the nature of ice. Ice that, especially after you run the Zamboni over it, ice that, that actually is so slick and so fast that it can be part of an amazing game. I can't remember, because I didn't watch hockey when I was growing up, I don't remember what hockey games were like before they came up with plexiglass to protect the audience. Uh, I guess it was bulletproof glass. Maybe somebody can tell me afterward how that actually worked back in the old days, or maybe everybody wore masks to the hockey rink. I don't know, because they'd be hit. Think about the glory of the Lord in plexiglass. I mean, just being able to, to take the creation that God has given us and to be able to put together such a thing that light could show through it, in fact, show through it so clearly that it's, it's this bulletproof or at least highly protective glass that you could sit and watch the entire game and be thrilled by what you are seeing all because of plexiglass. Now, folks, here's what I would like to maintain for you all. I would like to point out you know things there are things that you enjoy. There are hobbies that you have or abilities that you have or things that you have learned or knowledge you have acquired along the way that you really kind of enjoy talking about. I mean, you, you enjoy just being able to, to talk about it with somebody else. 
Could you take what you know and actually glorify the Lord with it? My answer to you is, I believe you could. I believe that you could begin a gospel conversation with anybody by talking about things that you just enjoy. I mean, just strike up a conversation and begin to talk about it. Why? Because ultimately, it's the Lord who made all these things. I think that's one of the things that we walk away with from this proverb. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. So as you think about that this morning, ask yourself the question, hey, what is it that I really enjoy? What, what is it that I just ha- really have fun with? And to me, it's not hard at all. I mean, I just, I just kind of naturally take to it as a place to begin to glorify the Lord, ultimately to be able to show someone the gospel. You say, now how am I going to connect that to the gospel? Well, remember Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and come short of the, what's the rest of the verse? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you could figure out how to glorify the Lord, just naturally talk about him and bring the knowledge of God into the conversation, can you see how convicting that would be in this culture? People just don't talk about that very much. They don't, they don't talk about the God who is the creator, the Lord who made all things. Just think what it would be like for you to take something that you really enjoy and to be able to talk about it and see how the Lord might use that as the beginning of a gospel conversation. I think that is exactly the way that the Lord works. Well, there's another part of the proverb, isn't there? Not only the ear that hears, the hearing ear, but the eye that sees. This is pretty marvelous when you really get right down to it to see how it's all put together. Now, one of the reasons I put on the screen a picture of a professional baseball player who is actually making contact with a baseball with his bat, and I also put an eagle up there, is here's what you know. You know that some people can see way better than other people. When they refer to 20-20 vision, here's what that means, is that 20 feet away, if something is 20 feet away, then what is normal vision that people who have no problems with their vision, what they can see, they can see something clearly 20 feet away and they can see it as clearly as 20 feet away. There are other people who have pretty amazing vision. Your baseball scouts, they actually look for players who have an even better vision. In fact, they look for baseball players who can see things at 20 feet away as clearly as if they were 12 feet away. Can you see what that little space of eight feet would do for a professional baseball player? And they say over the years, that's what they've been able to demonstrate, is that those baseball players, they can see at 20 feet away what most of us can see plainly at 12 feet away. They refer to this as 2012 vision, but wait. There's also eagles and certain hawks. They have an even more amazing ability to see. Their ability to see, as you can see in your notes, goes all the way to 20 to 2.5. Now, here's what that means. That means that that eagle or that hawk can see its prey clearly and plainly from two miles away. Just think about what that would be from two miles away. 
they've been able to do a lot with man-made cameras, and we have to admit that. They seem like they're getting better all the time, but here's what they now are admitting. They haven't even been able to rival the human eye. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. Let's talk about how that eye is actually put together. When you think about the eye, you're thinking again about the Lord as our creator. He is the one who made all these things. Think about the way the eye is put together, okay? You know today you have the whites of your eye. The white part is referred to as the sclera, S-C-L-E-R-A. But then you know that on the very front you have this, this cornea that is transparent. That's pretty amazing in itself, isn't it? That the Lord made cells like the sclera that were white, that's basically the bag that contains your eye, but right in the front of it, are the, it's, it's that transparent lens, it's that cornea that you can see through. And by the way, we know that the body is constantly replacing cells, constantly redoing this. The fact that you and I this morning can see, the fact that, that we have light, and by the way, the fact that we can bring things into sharp focus, or depending on our age, relatively sharp focus, the way we can do that is that light passes through the cornea, some of it goes on through the pupil, and then you see the lens that is pictured there. The lens is fascinating. That lens can be taken and twisted and contorted, and your body is doing this all the time by these tiny little muscles and these tiny little fibers that are actually taking that lens and twisting it. You can illustrate this for yourself. Take your hand and put it out in front of you, just out at arm's length, put it out in front of you. And notice how you can see clearly, you can see your hand. Now in just a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to bring our hands closer, keep an eye on, there you go, keep an eye on that hand, and as you bring it closer, watch how it stays in focus, all right? Get ready, get set, go. And just notice how it stays in focus. Now do it again and notice as you bring it closer how your eye blurs everything behind it. Look behind your hand and see how it's blurred. They don't know how to do this this fast with man-made cameras. But what is actually happening when you do that is that your eye, those little bitty eye muscles with those tiny little fibers, it's actually twisting your, your lens and actually curving it in such a way that those things stay in focus. You can imagine how handy that is when someone like a professional baseball player throws a ball, by the way, the time it takes to go the 60 feet from the pitcher to the mound, the time it takes is slightly more than the time it takes you to blink. And yet, here are these professional baseball players, and they'll, you'll probably hear it today on the radio, they'll make contact, and there goes the ball over the fence. How is that even happening? It's all part of the wonder of the way that the Lord has made us. I talked a few minutes ago about the ear and the way that it has this ability to, to translate these things to the mind. Well, if you look on the left side of the screen, you can see that it refers there to the optic nerve. What's happening here? Well, the light is passing through from the cornea, through the pupil, through the lens. And then you can see that sort of orangish or reddish bag of liquid in there. It's called the vitreous. And it goes through that. It's, a, it's like a, a glass-like liquid that it passes through. By the way, if you're looking at me today and you have to kind of keep adjusting your eyes because you get to a certain age and you got those little floaters that are floating around inside your eye, 
the Lord actually designed these cells. They're called phagocytes. P-H-A-G-O is the Greek word for to engulf. There's these phagocytes that are running around inside your eye, and what they're actually doing is they're actually gobbling up the small bits of debris and sometimes little little blood cells that are inside your eye. It's going around and, and getting them and gobbling them up. However, when you get to be a certain age, some of those bits of debris get a little larger than those phagocytes can actually take out, and that's exactly why some of us have floaters in our eyes. When we're trying to adjust, you think, what in the world's going on with my eye? That's what's going on. That's all inside the vitreous. Now, here's where it really gets interesting. Just like in the ear, that what happened there was that pressure wave then goes through the hydraulics, and then it goes on to the auditory nerve to be able to produce the electrical signals. The very same thing's going on here in the eye. On the back side of the eye back there, you can see it's referred to as the retina. The retina is that part that takes the light and actually transfers it into electrical signals that run up to your optic nerve, and you can, as a result, interpret all the information that is coming to you, like taking your hand and bringing it in closer. And as I say, eagles and certain hawks, they have an even greater ability than any of us had. What are we learning here? Well, here's what we're seeing. Whether it is the ear that can hear the pressure waves of sound or whether it's the eyes that they can see. I left out the fact that the eyes have the ability to recognize shapes and they, rec- and they recognize how fast something is coming at you. You can get, you have spatial awareness because you know how far it is to reach to something all because of the eyes. And when your eyes see colors, they're actually interpreting in the electromagnetic spectrum, they're actually interpreting something for you. Here's what we know about colors. The reason things have colors is because they have different wavelengths. It's the, it's the crest between the wavelength that tells us what, what a color is. Your eye is actually interpreting those all around. Just, take, just look around for a moment. Look at all the various colors that you're seeing. Here's what's actually going on. That amazing eye that God has given you is actually measuring the wavelengths between these things that are coming at you to tell you, oh, that's red, oh, that's brown, oh, that's green. That's what's happening because of the amazing way that the Lord has made your eyes. Now, I just want to raise the question with you. If the Lord who made all these things made them for us as an object lesson, what is it that we're supposed to be learning What is it that we should understand about our creator because all these things are true? This is where we really get into the applications of what we're seeing here. First and foremost, it just jumps right out at you, does it not, that God is the creator. The Lord has made even both of them. Well, look, if the Lord made these things, then how much greater is his capacity to see and hear. If, if we know that elephants can hear things below the level of human hearing range and the, and the greater wax moth can hear even higher things, just think about God's ability. How much greater is he in, in all of his omnipotence? Omnipotence means that he is 
all-powerful, even the way that he made those tiny ossicle bones inside your ear, even in the way he made your retina, even in the way that he made that that snail-like cochlea that's inside your ear, the Lord is demonstrating to you his all-powerfulness, that that he has made all these things. But there's more. It, It tells you something about his omniscience, that God is very much aware that he knows all things. You and I are astounded that we can use our ears and our eyes to discern things and to judge things. Well, don't you think that the God who made us is telling us something about his judgment and about his discernment? I think that's exactly what he's showing us. But what happened? Why, why is there this curse in the world? Well, it's because man rebelled against the glory of God. He made up his mind that he wanted to be man king instead of mankind. And he made up his mind that he wanted to be king of all the universe only to realize that it wouldn't happen. Even the earth itself would revolt against him. This is exactly why we need a savior. The Bible tells us about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he made all things and without him was not anything made that was made. We're dealing with our creator this morning, but our creator came to this earth to offer himself for the sins of mankind and for all those who will repent of sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will find him to be the savior, the redeemer. And the Lord proved this, as we talked about in the last message, by raising him bodily from the grave. The Lord raised him up. This is our savior that we're dealing with this morning. Now, here's the beauty of the reality that we live in. Reality, when you get right down to it, is the basis for truth. What is truth? Truth is that which is based on reality. The reality is that the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord made even both of them. He is our creator. He is telling us something about his infinite capacities, even in the way that he made us even in the way that we're listening to this message this morning, even in the way that we're, we're seeing the page in front of us, he is telling us something about himself. He is telling us that he is the creator. Through the scriptures, we learn that he is the savior. He is the redeemer of mankind. But as we looked at in the last message from Acts chapter 17, here's what we also know. He is the judge who will return. If he has given us these amazing abilities to hear and to see, then do we not expect that he, as the infallible judge, will judge us for the way that we use our ears and the way that we use our eyes, and for that matter, the way we use the rest of our bodies? I think that's exactly what you're seeing in this proverb. The hearing ear and the seeing eye the Lord has made even both of them. This is the way that he made us. And ultimately, he will judge us. Ultimately, we will have to give an account for the way that we use these abilities. If God gave you these abilities, then you are accountable to him for the way you use them. God is the creator of our senses and the infallible judge of all those abilities of how we use those abilities. There are those who are practical deists. You say, I'm not exactly sure what you mean by deist. A deist is someone who says, okay, okay, God created all these things, 
But then he kind of turned his back on it. He's, he set it in motion and he let it go. And these people teach you that God is not presently paying attention, nor will he judge us. You actually find this throughout the scriptures. In Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 12, I listed for you there in your manuscript. The Lord told Ezekiel, he said unto me, son of man, have you seen what the ancients of the house of Israel, so he's talking about the older people here, what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imagery, for they say, the Lord sees us not, the Lord has forsaken the earth. That's what you have to say to yourself in order to continue in sin. The Lord doesn't see me. Regardless of the fact that I have ears that hear and eyes that see, I have to insist that the Lord really doesn't see me. But even the very senses you are using tell you, oh, yes, he does. The Lord does see and the Lord does hear. If you have your Bibles, go over just for a moment to 1 Peter chapter 3. This is the passage that I read for you a few moments ago. I find this one especially interesting for believers this morning. Those who are Christians, those who have come to know the Lord, here's what you know about the Lord. And you can see this in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. Look at what it says, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord, okay, now we've studied a little bit about creation. We've learned a little bit more about our eyes or learned something about eagle's eyes, hawk's eyes. Now when you and I say the eyes of the Lord, we know it's talking about his capacities, his, his infinite capacities here. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears. Hey, we just talked about ears. His ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. Can I just ask you to do this just for a moment? Would you turn and look into the face of the person to your right and left? Just go ahead. Just, just turn and just kind of just make eye contact. You know, hey, you know, how you doing? And just make eye contact with that person. Now think about this. All this week, you are going to be looking into the eyes of people. All this week, you're going to be talking to people. All this week, you are going to be seeing a very practical illustration right in front of you of this message this morning. That the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. I mean, the fact that you are seeing that person's face and you are hearing that person's voice and you're looking at them actually is a very powerful prayer prompter according to this verse. Because here's what we learn. We learn the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. That is, he is paying very close attention to them. His ears are open to their prayers. Look, if the Lord's ears are open to the prayers of his people, then which prayers has he heard from you recently? As I was trying to pray through the congregation in preparation for this message, this is the verse that I chose right here, that every one of us would recognize that the, that the Lord's ears are open to our prayers, and he is even now listening very intently for you and me to pray just as surely as the newest mother here in the room, that would be Emily. And when you think about the little new one and think about that, that little cry that she hears, with this, think about how 
The Lord's ears are open to our prayers. He is waiting and longing to hear from us. Now, this verse is in the context of those who have done evil. They have done evil against someone who didn't deserve that evil. And what's the comfort here? He says, the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. So think about it this way. You have this practical illustration all week long when you think about ears and eyes and faces. That's a powerful reminder for this one verse that, you know what? The, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. And the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. That's the kind of powerful impact that we can see just by meditating on this one proverb. One final note. Remember we talked about how there are capacities beyond the range of human perception. We know about, we talked about the elephants, we talked about some whales, we talked about the greater wax moth, even the bats, and even dogs and cats. Think about this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You might turn over there to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 just for a moment, or it's there in your manuscript. Think about what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard. You say, Pastor, I hate to tell you, but I think that's going the opposite direction from your message this morning. Hang on, because he's really making a very important point. He says, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Do you ever feel as if the world is mundane? You know, the, the Spanish and Latin word for earthly is mundo. I mean, that, that it's just like same old, same old. I mean, it's just so routine. And, you know, I get up in the morning and I go to work and I do my work and I go home and I eat and I go to bed and I get up the next morning. Think about this. The one who knows all things, the Lord God, our creator, the one who made the marvel and the miracle that you and I can hear and see this morning, that Lord, here's what he says. He said, yeah, your eyes have not seen and your ears have not heard. And by the way, even in your wildest imaginations, It has not entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. That's pretty enticing, is it not? Isn't that, doesn't that sound like, whoa, man, that's exciting. I, I am eager to hear what that's like. Now look, because there's another part of the verse in the next verse. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Every time you say, I has not seen, neither ear heard, neither has entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Keep on by saying, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. How has God revealed these things to us by his spirit? Here you go. What the Lord has done is he has given us this remarkable revelation 
to show us things that we could never figure out or perceive even with these marvelous human senses. We still wouldn't be able to figure it out or even imagine it. But here's the glory of what you have in your Bible. The Lord has revealed them by his spirit. Christian, doesn't that entice you to want to get into God's book and find out what he has done for us? If this same marvelous Lord, the one who made the ears that hear, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, if that's the Lord who made us and he entices us and he says, by the way, you haven't even seen the best part yet. You haven't even understood that. Wouldn't that entice us to want to pursue after him and seek him and find him? I think that's exactly why he's put that in his word. So today, will you take the lesson of the hearing ear and the seeing eye and begin to apply it? Our amazing creator has planned so much for us. And even this very moment, his ears are open to our prayers if we would but pray. Dear friend, learn what it means to find and love this creator who has offered himself as your savior and will ultimately be your judge. Shall we bow our heads together? Lord, I praise you for the opportunity just to glorify God with the creation today. You have made us in such a marvelous way to be able to hear, to be able to see, to be able to think, to be able to perceive all these amazing wonders in just the way that you have made us. But Lord, I pray for every one of us and those who are listening online, I pray that you would help every one of us to see the true message behind these marvels, the true message behind these miracles. It's our maker, it's our creator, It's the one who loved us enough to design us and to make us and offers us salvation to save us if we will but repent of our sin and believe. Dear Heavenly Father, be glorified, I pray, as we have sought to glorify the Lord today. Use these verses to help help God's people communicate the glory of God and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.